Trade with confidence on the world stage with Hilo. Kick off with trades as little as $10 at Hilo.com. General advice only may not be appropriate for you. Bonuses subject to T's and C's. Read the online PDFs before trading. Welcome, everybody, inside the Celtics Life Podcast. I'm Mark Allison here with my man Topher Lane, and it is November 5th, a Sunday night. We're recording this. Uh, the Celtics just punched off their eighth straight victory uh, with a win over the Magic in Orlando. Well, what's going on, Topher? It's eight games. Eight straight games. Bangerang. I mean, how long has it been? It's like 2012, 2013, something like that. Yeah, it's been a long time since the Celtics have rattled off something this pretty wild. Year. Yeah, and, and especially with kind of how we were feeling after game two to be looking at game 10 now. With yeah. The record. It's insane. First team in history to lose their first two games and then win the next eight. That's pretty wild. Good things going on. Let's, I guess, let's start with kind of what got us to this point of the eighth straight win with this win over Orlando. You were on the recap, so you, you probably. Mm-hmm know a lot more than than i think i do as far as like the the big numbers what were kind of the, the keys of the game well so um the, the start of the game um horford carried the team early uh, he had nine points in the first quarter uh and I mean, he was essentially the offense in the first quarter uh second quarter Kyrie Kyrie picked it up from there and then jalen brown went off in the third quarter for um he had 11 points went four for four from the floor um there was, it was, a, it was a, once the Seas took the lead in the second, it was maybe a few minutes into the second quarter. I mean, they kind of just ran away with it from there. I mean, there was a couple points where Orlando cut, cut it to within four, I think. That was the closest they got. But um, I, it was just, uh, and then it was a runaway train at the end of the game. Uh, they, they closed out great. I mean, that I, one of the things I loved was the fourth quarter, uh, Stevens, who seems to throw out like a crazy random lineup, like, every game now and it, it just like always seems to work at the beginning of the fourth quarter we had larkin rogier smart with baines and morris and they went on a 12 to 2 run to put the game away which was like crazy yeah it was a good game i mean especially the the defense that's been kind of alive during this entire run yeah held to, like the fact that we held them to 88 points i'm pretty mm-hmm. sure that during this run no team has scored more than 90 on us yeah, I think 94 is the most. Um, it's it's crazy. The they haven't. No one scored over 100 in the in the eighth game. Eight, eight games that um, you know, the, the, the last eight games, the winning streak. Uh, it's it's crazy because you would think, and, and a lot of people thought that this team was going to come out slow out of the gate, and that was even with Hayward, just because of all the new bodies and everything. And, and this team is already this team already looks better than our team looked last year at any point. What what do you think the key of that is? What do you think is is making that possible? What what do you think has improved so significantly that we're rebounding well? That we are playing incredible defense without the guy. Like I mean, the loss of Avery Bradley and Jay Crowder. People are like, oh, this team's gonna be awful at defense. Right now, we got four guys qualifying in the top ten of defensive rating. Mm-hmm. Like yeah, what? I, huh. it's I. It's a, I mean, here's the thing. Coming into this year, this is not like last year's team, like at all, right? We have what four guys: so Horford, Jalen, Marcus, and Rogier, and that's it. So I think when everybody like w- coming into this year, th- people really couldn't grasp of what this team was going to be, and clearly their size and athleticism has them like the the rebounding, the the defense. It's it's an. I mean, it's pretty pretty amazing how how well they've gelled of it. But I, I think it's the the length, the athleticism. Um, Jason Tatum is already like way better than. I, he's already playing way more than I thought he was going to. He's been a starter for this entire season for ten games and, and well deserved too. It's not like they're just throwing him out there, you know. Um, I if I thought he was going to get the Jalen treatment. Um, and, you know, have to work his way into the lineup. But, I mean, he's been starting since day one. I think he's been – I don't know if I want to say he's been one of our most consistent guys because I don't think he has been. Or at least he hasn't been one of, like, the, the leaders because you've got Kyrie and Al Horford who have both taken over games. Mm-hmm. One game. So think about that Thunder game on Friday night. 
where it was the Kyrie Horford show in the fourth quarter that that won it. Just running that two man game is unbelievable to watch. Uh, they, they they have such chemistry, which is uh, I don't know, it's it's pretty cool to see. And it's something that we debated time and time again. That even the the players were questioning how long will it take this team to gel, and apparently it only took two games. <laughs> right, two games. It took a yeah, game three. They were locked in. Yeah, and it's it's the strangest thing because this team is a very very good team that has beaten some very good opponents in mm-hmm. the Spurs, in the Thunder. They've overcome adversity in the 18 point deficit that they had at halftime on Friday night. So it's like this is a team that's not just lucking out right now and winning these they're winning these games handily and proving that they belong in the conversation that they were in once they signed Gordon Hayward in spite of the fact that Gordon Hayward's gonna be out for the rest of the season so it's it's really cool to be a part of you know and to be like podcasting about this stuff because it's just a really fun team to be watching right now it's kind of a kick in the nuts though that they're playing so well and like you kind of think like and it's like what if we had Gordon Hayward you know I mean right. People disregarded us as the fact that, oh, well, we still go second fiddle to Cleveland in the East. And, and clearly, it doesn't look like that right now. And it certainly wouldn't have looked like that if we had Hayward. Um, I mean, it's they, they're above and beyond my expectations. And I didn't think they were going to get off to a slow start, but I didn't think that they would be this kind of a wrecking machine in the beginning of the year. It's been extremely impressive, and I'm I'm wondering if it's sustainable. But it doesn't seem like it's like the Isaiah Thomas like scoring that we had to have like 50 from him to win against the Heat, you know? Right. It, and that didn't seem sustainable, and yet still somehow you know we ended up with the one seed. Yeah, but this is this is like there's everybody contributing, and right now everybody's clicking on all cylinders. And so the question is, is that something that's going to continue to roll that way? And by every indication, it feels like it will because they don't need one guy to step up every night. They got someone else to do it. And so it's, it's just an incredible depth of players and all the rookies, the plethora of rookies on this roster, especially mm-hmm. Semi. And you, know, you got these guys who are really stepping up. Daniel Tice, you got these guys who are playing better than they should be for their rookie season. And I think that's been one of the keys for, for how this team has been doing so well. Yeah, and I mean, and look at this too. Like, even just look at tonight's game. Nobody, I mean, Jalen had a huge game by his standard. He was 18 and 7. He went 7 or 13. But we had six guys in double figures. And I mean, you look at last year where we had Isaiah carry the load offensively. We'd score him 29 a game. Um, and look at this. We can win this game. We didn't only win this game, we won it by a wide margin and like 16 points. And you know, nobody scored 20 points. Yeah, every starter was in double figures. Marcus was in double figures. And you had other guys contributing too. You had Shane Larkin. You you said it. He was starting the fourth quarter. You had yeah. Terry Giro who logged 27 minutes. You got everybody mm-hmm. playing. Even Semi who put up 17 minutes and, and contributed, especially on the defensive end. It's like they got all these guys coming together to play some basketball. And Daniel Tice, who was such an integral part of the game against like the Bucks and the Spurs, only played three minutes. It's like, you know, you got these guys who, when we need them, they'll play. And they seemingly have been really happy to see have their number called and perform with whatever we need. If not, then they're resting and enjoying their time on the bench. And how about this? How about this? The rebounding from the guards, right? Jalen, Marcus, Terry Rozier combined for 20, 22 rebounds. And that's with Irving not even getting one rebound in the entire game. That's That's nuts. How about that play where Terry, it was like the second quarter, he like snagged the offensive board and then went back up against Bismack Biombo and then like and then, and then sn- it again and like still he ended up pulling a jump ball out of it. He and was- even, yeah, he would have won the jump ball too if, if it had landed in one of our guys. I mean, he actually won the jump ball. They just, they, you know, the ball flipped to their way. Yeah. That's the one thing I hate about NBA jump balls. It's like, yeah, so- it's so lame. I mean, it's but- almost like they should just do the possession arrow, but that thing drives me crazy. Yeah. Also, but yeah, no, just you're right. The guards, the guards' contributions from rebounding, and you're right. Kyrie didn't have a didn't role. even have a rebound, and yet still, but still, yeah, no, just incredible performance from all the guards, from all the guys who're being called, and also the return of Marcus Morris. It's like you got all these things coming, and we've still won eight straight, and there's still mm-hmm. we're going to continue to grow and get better. 
and it's it's really it's awesome to see. So when we take a look at us and and how fast like the teams jumped out like what there's there's a you know we we did this last year a little bit later in the year but the the end of the year superlatives rookie of the year um, MVP well what what do you think I mean Jason Tatum looks like he could be in the mix for rookie of the year but at the same time it seems like Ben Simmons is going to run away with it yeah Ben Simmons is as like, we, his first season then yeah now Ben Simmons will take it but. Yeah, and the and the Lonzo hype has calmed down quite a bit, so I'm I'm happy about that. But I would say definitely one of the Sixers, probably I, not Markel, mm-hmm. but well, Markel, yeah, right. <laughs> ben Simmons for sure is probably a lock if he continues to play at the level. And you and I were talking about it earlier, dude can ball. Like, yeah, I mean, if if he stays healthy, I don't see how anybody can catch him for Rookie of the Year. But at the same time, we're talking about the Sixers here, and they seem to be snake bitten. Um, so I mean. If you took Simmons out of the picture, um, who are the other front runners besides Tatum? You got to figure Tatum would be in the mix. Um, Laurie Markinen, who looks pretty solid. Donovan Mitchell. Yeah, Donovan Mitchell's been playing pretty all right. Um, yeah, Fultz isn't in it. Obviously, he's out indefinitely, right? Uh, yeah. I, I mean, I, that's that's a tough uh, tough blow there. At the, um, I mean, it's kind of just bananas like the whole the whole thing first he was shooting funny and then i'm not really sure if he was shooting funny because he felt the injury before or if this shooting funny is what caused the injury um i'm not sure that there's a clear definitive answer for that like he just decided to change his shot in the off season and to me that would signal like maybe he was having problems because why would you change your shot uh like yeah, I think my understanding is that he was hurt, and then he tried. Okay, okay, that's I wasn't clear on that. But yeah, they, and I we talked about it on the pod last week, and I was saying I can't understand how people would let him play that way. Yeah, seriously, why they condone that and let that happen? But so yeah, Fultz is out of the picture for rookie of the year. Uh, I think Ball is he'll be in there because he's in LA, so he's got the spotlight. And yeah, and I mean, it, I mean, he's gonna be dark. you know, I mean, we've seen flashes of him already of what he can do. Um. Uh, DeAndre Fox, another guy who's oh yeah, De'Aaron um, Fox, yeah, De'Aaron Fox. That's what I meant. Yep. Um, and um, yeah, he. I mean, he's uh, you know, and he's gonna have the ball in Sacramento. I mean, he's the guy. Yeah, no, that's that's true. There's there's a couple guys who will be up there. I think you're right, but I think um, I think Ben Simmons is probably gonna pull away with it. So I I like Tatum, but he just doesn't have the spotlight. In Boston, because mm-hmm. he's not—I mean, yeah—he's getting starting minutes and stuff, but it's, he's not the star, and that's kind of what right. for for rookie of the year. It's like it's got to be a ball dominant guy who's who's making buzzer beating shots, and Tatum's not the guy who's going to be taking those shots in the late game minutes, you know? Right, right. I mean, It's—he's already surpassed my expectations into what I thought he could do in the beginning of the year. Like what he's doing now, I thought maybe by the end of the year we'd be getting this kind of production from him. But hey, I love it. First team all rookie. For sure. Yeah, for sure. I, I think he's a lock. Yep. Assuming all the, and this is all assuming 10 games of the season, we're eighth away in the season that this is like sustainable. People are going to keep playing at this level. I'd put mm-hmm. him all rookie for sure. Yeah. I don't think he's, and this is, he could be an all star, but I don't think that he would get the votes to be an all star for the same reason I said earlier. Like, I just don't think that he has the, the spotlight to get that. You're talking about Tatum? Tatum, yeah. Yeah, he's yeah. He's got the minutes, and he, he's got, some of the yeah, time. yeah. Now it's it's like not quite all star level, but he's in his first year. Kid is yeah, no, like nineteen, twenty years old or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, speaking of all stars and young guys, what about Jalen? Um, eighteen points tonight. Shot like what did he shoot from the floor? Seven for thirteen. That's good for what? Fifty three percent, fifty two percent, fifty four percent. That's you know that's. Pretty impressive, and uh, and he he's been he's having himself a year. Uh, he, he's probably uh, one of the guys in in uh, the running for um, uh, most improved player for sure. I mean, I, I anybody else jump out at you that would be in the mix for that? How's the voting working this year? Is it the same like voting process, and then the play, then like the team process changes of how the selection works? Because if it's the same voting. 
Well, doesn't the now the voting for this is it is it the coaches? I don't I don't even know what the voting is for that. Uh, for all star, I think it's. Well, no, I know they changed the all star voting, but is that? I don't think that those uh, superlative the, stuff is the same. I think the voting is still the same for all star. Mm-hmm. Then they just like the captains choose the teams of the field. I think. Okay, right. But, so it's still, okay, oh, so you're talking about, yeah, to get on the All-Star team, right. Yeah, so I think it's like fan vote. Yeah, so Jalen for an All-Star spot, if with that voting system, again, I'm just not sure if he's got the spotlight. He's not like a yeah, yeah, exciting no. dude, like for people who aren't Celtics fans. Right, so, right. You know, I mean, you look at... Well, I think he's exciting when people watch the games and they see how explosive he is and whatnot, but... I mean, he would to he would have to be like super consistent. Like, I, I just don't see that happening. I see him exploding for like a game here or there, but I I, I can't imagine him, you know, being consistent enough that people would really take notice outside of Boston. I I yeah, and I think that's why I say maybe he doesn't make the starting lineup because the bench is chosen by coaches, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I could totally see him being picked by coaches because I think game respects game. You know, it's like I think that they would all see that he deserves a spot on the All Star team, assuming he keeps up this level of production. But this could be basically like the I see this as the Hawks of 2014, where like basically four of the Hawks, the ones that got like the Player of the Month, all four. Mm-hmm. Of them, I could see this Celtics team being the same way because there's just so much contribution all over the place. It's like like we said. Every guy in the starting lineup scored double figures, but we didn't need anybody to go past twenty. Right. So we've we've been feeling kind of neglected lately as far as our players go for the past couple of years and like how awards and voting and stuff goes. You look at like Avery Bradley last year with the first team all defense stuff and all that all that Whoa, I don't even know how to describe what happened there. Mm-hmm. You had players who were like, How the hell is Avery Bradley not first team all all defense? Right. You got all these dudes who feel like they've been kind of neglected. I think this is the year, if we're continuing to play at this level, that our guys kind of get that recognition, but not from the fan vote. And that's still such a big part of the the concept. Like, I'm pretty sure Lonzo is going to win fan vote. And it's going to be stupid because he's, he's not an all-star. But he's going to yeah, get Yeah, yeah. You know, that's just how it works. Uh, well, I think Al Al's going to find himself probably back on the All Star team this year. Yep. Um, I, he he looks incredible so far. He's seven for seven from three in the last two games. Yep. Um, I think that that's the biggest difference. Uh, last year, I think he he shot like a career low, or at least close to a career career low field goal percentage wise. And this year, but and last year was really the second year that he started shooting threes. I mean, his last year in Atlanta, he started shooting from the outside more. Um, and then that carried over into last year. I, I think he shot, I don't even, I'm not even sure exactly what he shot last year. I'm going to look that up. But this year he's shooting um, 46% from three yeah. point and 54%, you know, from the field. Whereas, uh, I mean, that, that's for, for him, that's a huge step from, Jeez, um, for a guy that's only been shooting threes for a couple of seasons, you know? It's not even just, like, corner threes, too. Like, his top... No, he's all over the place. His top of the key and, like, wing threes are automatic. Like, he's just mm-hmm. lethal from there. And it's it's this goes to the spacing that Danny Ainge has built with this team that he's just wide open at the top of the key. So many, like, at least three times a game, he gets the ball up there and he just has nothing right. to shoot it, you know? It's like, and he's wide open. It's like playing before the game. It's during warm-ups. He has, he has more contested shots during warm-ups. It's like, this is, it's, it's wild. He's just set up so well by Kyrie driving or Jalen or Tatum driving. It's like, just, it's so crazy how open this team gets and how many open looks they're getting. And Horford's capitalizing on literally every single one, at least for the last couple of games. Especially that fourth yeah. Thunder game. It was insane. It was wild. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and, so and it's, like, yeah, and, and the, him stretching the floor like that, he pulls the other bigs away, and, and he just, not only, so when we have these other guys like Jalen and Jason, who are like great slashers, um, I mean, it's huge. Yep. And, and and he doesn't have to shoot 46% for the year to be, I mean, he shot 35% last year, 
even if he shot like close to 40% this year, it's going to be a huge step up from what he did last year. He has, and he's gotten better every season. He shot 34, then 35 since he started shooting threes regularly, like three, three a game. Like before that, he, you know, in 2014, 15, he was only shooting a half a three a game, you know, but once he decided to extend his range, he's improved on it every season. Do you think he's candidate for defensive player of the year? See, I don't know that he's going to compile the stats, even though he probably should be in the um, conversation. I mean, right now he's leading defensive rating in the NBA. Yeah, but but do you think if... I mean, right now he's averaging under a block a game, and, and that's the stuff that I, th- I feel like gets these guys noticed, you know? I, I mean, I, I, I agree that he... I think he should be in the conversation for it. I just don't know. He doesn't get all the flashy stats like some of the guys do. And that's that's the difference with those... Votes is kind mm-hmm. of like media and guys who kind of get that a little bit more. Yeah. Not the fan vote for those. And it's everyone's kind of recognizing how good the Celtics, and especially if the team is top in defense. Well, right. If, if I, I think that'll go a long way to getting them in the conversation too, is how, you know, how high the, the Celtics land. I mean, if we keep holding teams to under 100 points like this, um, you know, he's the anchor. Yeah, not even under 100, under 90. Yeah, I mean, that's... It's crazy. Yeah, it, like there are four guys in the top ten of defensive rating for the Celtics. Kyrie is in the top ten for defensive rating, and that's something that <laughs> which, people, that's wild. I debated this like six or seven times on podcasts around yeah. the summer of like Kyrie yeah. can't defend. Like I'm worried about it, and I would be like, well, I'm pretty sure Brad's going to bring out. Yeah, Brad does that with a lot of guys. I don't think anybody thought he was going to be this good. He's no, it's insane. It's yeah, wild. it's it's just like this is this is a team that gelled from. Game three on. I, I like I I'm I think it's funny to say that, but we were questioning how long it took to gel. I think honestly it took two games. It took a game and a half because they played pretty well mm-hmm. against the Bucks in game two. And, and I think it really illustrates the detriment of having Isaiah Thomas on the floor defensively. Because mm-hmm. you take a guy like Kyrie, who's never been known as a defender his entire career, and all of a sudden, you know, you move him from Cleveland here and He's all of a sudden like looks like not just like he's a competent defender, but he looks like he's excelling in his role playing defense. And you know, Isaiah was here for two and a half years, and you know, it's because of his size. It's nothing to do with you know his heart or anything like that, but or or his um, you know uh, drive to to play on the defensive end. But I mean, that just goes to show you what a detriment it is having a guy that small on the floor. Because he could never, um, you know, he, he he could never in all that time that he was here with Brad, like we, as much as Brad got out of him offensively, he couldn't really get anything out of him defensively. For all of that discussion, and I, I kind of want to segue that into the Cavs right now. Because the Cavs, I mean, I, I was talking to my friends about it on Friday. They're like, well, they're not healthy. You know, once they get healthy, then they'll be better. And they'll they'll pick it up. They'll figure out what's going on. And they're really high on the possibility of Isaiah Thomas coming back and being like an instant impact player for the Cavs. Do you think that's possible? Well, I, I think I think he'll certainly have a positive impact, especially on the offensive end. And but here's the problem with the Cavs: they like the, the way that they've. I don't know how they plan on how do you how are you supposed to play defense with. Your 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 three guards, your three like main guards in your rotation are going to be um, Isaiah Thomas, Dwayne Wade, and Derrick Rose, and I'd say J.R. Smith too. That's four guys that are all bum defenders. Mm-hmm. That's your that's your four guards that are you're going to rotate, and your best defender Shumper is you know maybe he'll play a little small forward or something, but he's you know he's the he's going to be the fifth guy out of that pecking order. The Cavs are the fourth worst record in the East, to put this into context. And part of that is because of awful, awful defense. They have, yeah, it's a, they, I think they have the second worst defensive, or they, they give up the second most points in the East. It, they, yeah, they give up the second most points in the East. They give up 113 points every game in the East. Mm-hmm. And only the Nets are worse than them. And, I mean, for a team that's trying to beat Golden State, right? I mean, when you're going into the season, everyone thought Cleveland was going to, you know, end up in the finals against Golden State. 
you're building a team that doesn't match up with them well at all. Like, like what, what we did when we had like Marcus Smart and Avery Bradley and we put two slick defenders on those guys, we could chase around Steph Curry and um, Clay Thompson. But you're, you think Derrick Rose and Isaiah Thomas are going to be able to keep up with those guys? Dwayne Wade? I mean, it's, it's, it's like they went in the complete opposite direction. They got all these old veteran guys that are slow and not good at defending. The landscape of the NBA right now as a whole is like on its head though. Like just like all Yeah. Like it's it's just insane how how strange the standings look. Cuz as of recording, it's Celtics, Detroit Pistons, Orlando Magic. Yeah. Then you got the Wizards Raptors that makes sense. Then you have right. New York Knicks, Sixers, Hornets to close out the top mm-hmm. in the East. How the hell is this happening right now? The Bucks are four and five. The Cavs are four and six. Then you. Have- I mean, and granted, it's it's early in the season, but it's ten games. I mean, it's, I mean, you know, it's uh, this will it's going to sort itself out. Obviously, you know, we get to be in December, things are going to look a little closer to what I think we expected. So we're but still in November. Yeah. yeah, we're almost. I know we're two weeks out from the first month of the season being over. And that's normally like the first like miles mile milestone, right? And we you got no idea what's going on. It's it's the strangest thing. Even the West is kind of dilapidated with like how how these teams are where they are. The Thunder are out of the playoff picture right now, four and four. Which you know, I mean, they were a wild card to begin with, but mm-hmm. that's still confusing. The Mavs are bad, which isn't strange. But the the Timberwolves are above the Warriors. The Rockets are above the Warriors. The Grizzlies are actually playing good basketball, considering they just did like a fire sale this summer. Mm-hmm. Like the Spurs are not as immortal as they used to be. Like, is this just an NBA wide like what's going on, or or is this just me overreacting to people looking kind of mortal in the first month of the season? Well, I think we saw a lot of movement this summer, and I mean, I I just think that there's a there's teams look totally different than they did last year, and but still shocking to see some of these teams like we're talking about like the Pistons and the and the Magic uh, sitting at the top of the Eastern Conference, kind of crazy. It's cool. I like it. Yeah, no, it's it's wild, and and it's the other thing too is like. You know, people come into the season and it's like, oh, it's going to be Cleveland and and Golden State, and it's like as if it's a foregone thought. But no one knows how good Houston was going to be. Like, no one knew how good the Thunder were going to be. The Celtics, these teams that had these huge turnovers and all these star players moving around. I mean, who's to say that one of those teams can't, you know, can compete with those other teams? Is it too early to say that this might be the year that we don't see the fourth straight Cav Warrior? championship matchup i i mean i i i think it's seriously in doubt um the i, I mean the the um the warriors will probably come out of the west but cleveland uh, i don't know they, they they're in big trouble they i think this is gonna make them seriously make some moves at the deadline or before the deadline because i i, I don't but what, mess around. But what kind of moves do you think they make i think firstly they fire tyron Lue. Okay, well, yeah, I think sure. That's, that's for sure going to happen. And okay. I think, I see, I don't know what pieces they have. They have the Brooklyn pick now. So, like, that's... Yeah, but I mean, that. do you think they'd cash that in to add a, a player? I mean, who could they go and get with that? Well, that's the thing. is like, what do they want to give away? Because they can't sell high on anybody. Well, it, if they're going to give up the Brooklyn pick, it's got to be for more than just a player, like a rental. It's got to be a guy that's going to be locked up for a couple of years. Because otherwise, they're just better off going the complete opposite direction. Um, I know Justin and I argued about this before, but letting Isaiah walk, letting letting LeBron walk, as everyone thinks he's going to anyways, and, and just like total go full rebuild, take the Brooklyn pick. The, the problem is the Brooklyn pick might not all be all that good <laughs> after, after how well they're playing so far. I could see him getting into the Bledsoe trade conversation. But does he? I mean, I, I yeah, I think he's a good addition for them. But I mean, I don't, I don't say, I mean, he's not going to put them over the top. No, but he writes the ship for the time being. Sure. Okay. Adds a little scoring. Um, he's a little yo- younger than the other guys there. A better defender than both of them. Mm-hmm. Um, in Wade and um, uh, Rose. I think that's the only uh, block- blockbuster move they can make, though. 
Because I don't think there's anything. Yeah, I mean, what's his contract? Like uh, 12 million, yeah. 16 million? Is it one year? It's, it's somewhere in the teens, right? I think it's slow teens, I think. But I'm like, yeah. really wrong on that. Not, no, no, no. I, I think it's somewhere around there. But I'm, I mean, so it's not, I'm sure they could, you know, make up that money. Um, yeah. They yeah, got, got a ton of expensive contracts. So they could totally find a way to make the, the contracts match. Yeah, it's about 15. They could totally make it work if they wanted to. Mm-hmm. But, no, I think I could see them getting in on that just because they have to, and it would. But they're not giving up a Brooklyn pick for him. No, they wouldn't. But that'd be something they'd like match salary and fine. Yeah, sure. Yeah, you know? but again, they don't have any good pieces. Like it'd, it'd be, there's not a lot of incentive for the Suns to get in on it. The thing mm-hmm. that like a first round Caval- Cavaliers pick, like 2019, could be really mm-hmm. valuable. Right. Because the Cavs. Yeah, if, if if LeBron's gone, then yeah, that's gonna <laughs> they're gonna be bottom dwellers for a while. I can see him tossing a first round pick in there, like a Cavaliers. First round pick. Yeah, and that, if if Phoenix is smart, I'd see them taking that for salary match and something else, second rounder also. Yeah, see, I'm trying to think of players like with a little more long term uh, staying that they might actually trade, be like willing to throw the Brooklyn pick in a deal, but um, I, just, I can't. I don't know. Nothing jumps out at me. So many question marks. Yeah, I can see him chasing like a a random upcoming star. So like, who's who's a rookie from last year who's who's been performing well? Um, um, I can see him trying to do something with the Sixers, Dario Saric or something. Yeah, can, like, then, then, then. figure something out there. Hmm. Yeah, it's. I mean, I guess. It, Best case scenario for them is they get Isaiah back in January and they get a little chance to look at their team and then decide what they're going to do going forward um, and how good they're going to be. Um, because, I mean, yeah, because obviously everyone thinks LeBron's going to leave anyways, and if they stink in the playoffs and they don't make it to the finals, then he's probably got two feet out of the, the door instead of one. Yeah, there's no reason for him to stay because that team's not going to get any better. They've got so many guys who are locked up to long deals. Mm-hmm. Couldn't be. I know they got a lot of guys who are coming off, so like Isaiah, Derek Rose. I think Dwayne Wade is only a one year deal, right? So like they, they I guess a lot of their contracts are single years, but it's like they're gonna be hit. Yeah, but they got they got like Thompson locked up long term, he's locked up for like another two years. Um, curse now. Yeah, right. That doesn't help. Um Yeah, I mean and then what young I mean, what young promising players do they have? None. None. Right. Kevin Love was Andrew Wiggins. Yeah. Yep. Yep. And going kind of on that note, though. So the Celtics have been looking at Jaleel Okafor, and the mm-hmm. Sixers. And I was so upset with the Sixers front office today when, like, we want a first round pick for him. What the hell right. are they? Well, what, why would they? Would they, and they? After dragging him through the mud and just not playing the guy at all, it's like, oh yes, but he's valuable. Like we we want something valuable in return. What is the Sixers? What? I don't even get it. Well, here's the thing, though. A Celtics first-round pick is going to be, like, 28. Still. Right? I I know, but I'm saying, like, I mean, if you... Obviously, I I understand why Danny's, you know, hesitant to do that, but um, it's not like... It's not like they're asking us for the world when they ask for that, I don't think. No, but... But what what do you think about him, though? What I mean... He he can't play defense, right? Yeah. Or at least has yet to show that he can play defense. Yeah. Uh he's got a he's got a motivation issue, like where people are unclear of how, you know, his you know, how motivated he, he exactly is. Mm-hmm. Um and uh, but we know he can score and we know he can rebound. And he can score from inside anyways. I mean he can't yeah, shoot. But he's got pro- he's a post He's got a post presence, and he and he can rebound. And I wonder. See, I don't know that the Celtics are a great fit for him though, because he's not going to play here no, either, he's right? Really, good, he's he's a really good punch to put on the bench, like deep. On the bench. Yeah, you know, he's like a wild card guy that you can drop mm-hmm. in when you need, when you want to bully a big in the lane. You know, yeah, especially if like you'd match up well with Tristan Thompson. You know, if yeah, we're in like another Cavs, Celtics, Eastern Conference Finals. That gets gets a big boy in foul trouble. That'd be like the Gerald Green of the Bulls, mm-hmm. where you just put him in for the series, just let him do work. 
and he would. Yeah. Like, you would bully him around in the lane. Mm-hmm. And that would be awesome. You know, it's like he, he's kind of like a traditional big slayer of sorts because big slayer. He has, he has <laughs> footwork. He's got some of the best footwork of centers in the NBA right now. And is an incredible post score. Everything past that he's not, but you know, you, you put him in, in, in circumstantial situations and he's going to deliver for you. So I can mm-hmm. see there being a big desire for that. I don't want to say neat because mm-hmm. I think there's a desire for that because it could be really valuable if, if we're looking for something that we need to plug him in for in some situation. Yeah. Uh, speaking of uh, big guys with questionable work ethics, how about Jared Sollinger dominating in the CBA? Dude, I am really upset and really excited for him. Well, what are you upset about? Well, I just like I'm so mad that he never performed for the NBA in any any situation. Well, I wouldn't say never performed. I mean, he 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 was he wasn't that bad when he was here. That last year leaves a sour taste in everybody's mouth. But I thought he was a promising player before that. You didn't think no, so? No, I, I did. I, I you know I was I was never on like the hate Selinger train, which I know a lot of people were, but. I, you know, it's it's still just like, especially when we went to Toronto, I, I like wanted to see him do well, as I do with most Celtics that move mm-hmm. on to other teams, unless it's been like a Ray Allen situation. But, well, he, ne- he never really got an opportunity to play there. I mean, he got that's hurt. That's the thing. And then he played in like, like, he only played in like six games yeah. or something like that. And I was mad. And- I was mad at him. I think I complained about it on the podcast. Because there was that one game we played against Toronto, and he was on the bench wearing like a stupid red suit, and, <laughs> and he was like cheering when like it was when that game where Demar Derozan just like went off in the fourth quarter and won it for the Raptors, and he was like really actively the most involved on the bench cheering against the Celtics, and I was kind of mad about that. Yeah, I, I think I was on the podcast with you when this happened because I vaguely remember that. Yes, <laughs> and yeah, so that that. That made me kind of angry. So I was happy to see that he like didn't get a situation after that. But you know, like I just I prefer when dudes do well that were former Celtics. I've like moved past that one game where I was really mad yeah. <laughs> but I you know Well how about I mean he's murdering in China. Like I mean he's averaging like forty seven points and seventeen rebounds a game. Uh he's got the high score in China so far this season through three games, but still 55-point performance. He's putting up, like, Wilt Chamberlain numbers over there. And I, I just I wonder what makes sense for him. He's only on a two-month contract, so his contract's up in sometime in December, at the end of December. So he could be back in the NBA in January if he wanted to be. Um, I mean, I don't see the Celtics anytime looking to fill up that, that trade exception. You think he's an option, at, you know, when uh, – if if they're still you know looking to add a piece, no, I mean I would I think he should just kind of pull the jimmer and just decide to stay in China. You know I I think that he just has carved out a really awesome spot for himself out there, and he's better mm-hmm. off just like playing basketball and just dominating, and being the player that he was like in Ohio State, you know, and and just be the player that he kind of dreamed of being, just not necessarily in the NBA. I just think that's kind of yeah, and then. And maybe that that also could be why he signed a two month deal. Not necessarily because he wanted to come back to the NBA, but he signed for like three hundred thousand dollars for the two months, right? So if he's putting up fifty points a game, then he's going to make a lot more money than that, even in China. So, um, like, I don't know what Marbury was making when he was uh, dominating back in the day, but I imagine he was making pretty good coin. And he's still playing, which is crazy. When I was looking at the. Uh, <laughs> I was looking at the the CBA stats. <laughs> Stefan Marbury still balling out over there. Yeah, I, you know and, and that's the thing is these guys like they find their spot overseas, you know, and and they're they're good over there. And in the case of like Jimmer Fredette and maybe even Jerry Selinger now, it's like it's just a better situation because you know they they just get to keep playing and they get to enjoy their careers and it's not nearly as big as it is here and there's not nearly as much just hatred for a guy having a bad game. You know, I mean like. <laughs> I can't imagine yeah. the angry tweets that Jared Selinger would sift through during his last couple years with the Celtics, you know, or, or even when he was mm-hmm. or the or yeah, the Raptors too. Yeah, it's like you know these guys. Although they're a little nicer in Canada than they are. Maybe we are in the U.S. Even then, you know, it's just like I can't imagine that. And so, like, he's got a good good situation going for him right now. And if he can keep it up, why not stay? 
I, I still think he's going to try to latch on with the NBA team. But I, I just think the situation for him would be better if it's a place that he can play, not necessarily a great team, like where he can put up some numbers and, and get some confidence back, you know? Yeah. Um, after being buried in Toronto last year, uh, kind of had a rough end here in Boston. I mean, he was still playing, but, you know, his playing time diminished by the time we got to the playoffs that year. Um, but I don't know. I, it, I Like, it'd be cool to see him. I, I guess he was working out with the Nets before the season, and would they ended up signing Tyler Zeller. And there was a little question over to whether um, they picked Zeller or if he decided to go to China. You know what I mean? Like yeah. if, if Solinger, because they worked out Solinger for like two weeks or something like that, and then um, he ended up going to China, and there's question over whether that was because they were going to sign Zeller instead or if he just decided that China was a better situation, which I, I, I don't think it's a bad situation at all when he's you know completely dominating over there. So Yeah, and I, I'll say it one more time. I, just, I think it'd be a better situation because I, I just don't think he's an NBA guy anymore. Yeah, maybe, maybe mm. watch his... Chinese games. I'm going to watch the China League games and see. Yeah, I couldn't find any of like the highlights from those games, but I'm sure they're out there somewhere. It's hard to track down. Those those are yeah. tough to find. But you know, it's I maybe he's actually as dominant as his numbers show, or he's just bullying around guys that he can bully around. But I, you know, I just I don't I don't know situations where people have come and been like Meta World Peace dominated in China also, and then came back and yeah. He, Played for the Lakers again, but he wasn't like productive by any means. Mm. Nah, it's just it's an easier league out there. It's it's a lot less pressure, and I think that's just something that that fits his his style of play more. And it almost be better that he don't try and make a comeback. But mm-hmm. I don't know. That's just me. I like I I'd be happy to see him try and make a comeback. I'd support him, you know, wherever he goes. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm in favor of of seeing him try it, I guess. But I just think that he's better off staying in China. Cool. That's just me. Yeah, no, no. I hear you, man. Did you... So... Yeah, so... Kind of on that, you got the young guys of now. You know, the Marcus Smart extension wasn't signed, but then you have Jalen and Kyrie. Was Jalen... Is his contract almost up, or has he got two two years left? No, no, no. So, um... They have... So, Rozier has this year and next year. And Jalen has this year, next year, and the year after. Because uh, they, they signed him to four-year deals with, with team options at the end. So they basically always pick up the rookie option because unless the guy's like completely terrible, just because uh, you have them at whatever, you know, um, one million or two million, whatever the rookie, you know what I mean? Dep- depending on where they were drafted. Obviously, Jalen's a little more expensive, obviously, because he was the top three pick. But, but like Rogier, I can't, I mean, his his option is probably only a couple million yeah because he was 16 right 16 pick around there yeah i think he was mid-teens 16 17 i think it was 16 um and uh yeah so i mean it's kind of a formality than picking up the options i mean it's they're both good players too so you you have guys that can play at like bargain rates so um i didn't know that it came this early though like i was kind of surprised i didn't know it came this early What do you mean? I just like you know, like you said, he's got like three years left on his deal. Like he just finished his rookie year. And I was like, what? It's an early time to to take the option. I just figured that you have until like the summer before you have to do it, and you're like, oh yeah, we're taking your option. Well, is I think that option is for next year. Like the first two years are guaranteed, so that that's for next year, and then they'll have to pick up Jalen's option again next year. Oh, I'm pretty sure. Anyways, this what just because I. Yeah, yeah, because I, I just think it's before the whatever the um, whatever that date is. I don't even know what the date was, but yeah, they do it at the beginning of the season every year. Okay, cool. I guess that makes me feel a little better because I yeah, <laughs> I was just kind of like I mean, I, not that I was concerned. I'm happy about both guys being picked up because I like both guys, but I was just mm-hmm. you know, I, yeah. I, just, I hear you. Last week was a good week to be a Celtics fan. In continuation with the entire winning streak. We beat the Spurs. We beat the Thunder. We dominated Sacramento. It like what? How'd you feel about the the week kind of in in the past? Looking back at it, uh, it was it stinks that we didn't get to see uh, Kawhi uh, San Antonio. So I mean that's kind of a you know I, I'm still glad to beat the Spurs and they're still a good team even without him. But 
Um, you know, obviously not quite the dominant force with, without their best player. Um, Sacramento, I mean, we should beat them. Even, you know, <laughs> it's, you know, I don't take much out of that win. We should win that game in hand. There was an interesting thing that I saw afterwards where Dwight Jalen said that Stevens challenged the team to play the same with the same tenacity, basically, that they did against the Spurs. Against the Sacramento? Yeah, and, and it was clear that they were. Like, they were playing hard from opening tip all the way to the end. And that's something Luis and I last week were saying. That's like a trap game. You know, mm-hmm. You're going up against like a 1-6 and six team or something, whatever the record was at the time. And yep. so you just kind of are automatically a little bit less involved. And then suddenly you're down 20 at the half or something, and there's just no comeback from it. But they played hard all game. Yeah, sneaky. I mean, T- Stevens has got to be one of the best motivators in the league. Uh, so forget the X's and O's and stuff, but to see what he's like, like look at that game on on Friday against Oklahoma City. They're down 18 against a good team, right? Seems like it's going to be really hard to get out of that hole, and yet somehow they do. And I mean, a lot of that's the fire coming out of that coach. You know that they you, you I don't know. He's he's excellent motivator. Yeah. And- but like you said, yeah, trap games like that, like it's very rare that you see them come out so flat. At least we haven't seen it this year. Um, aside from maybe the game after the Cleveland game, I mean, even in that Cleveland game when we lost Hayward, they came back and fought. I mean, pretty pretty wild that you know he can keep them on course like that. I think he's finally really settled into his role as coach. Like I, I think he's been established for sure, but I think he's like really found his team. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think he, I'm pretty confident that he had some role in like talking with Danny about all the stuff that like the moves that and the players and stuff, yeah, because right. it's just like, even Horford has improved so significantly from last year to this year. And I have no doubt that the coaching is a big part of that. I'll, I'll bet you anything that, um, after last year with the, the poor rebounding that like plagued us all year long. And Stevens was like, look, I want, these, I want a longer team. I want a more athletic team. And that's where they went out. They got guys like Dice um, to round out the bench. Um, Baines? And, like Baines, oh, all of Australia. That guy's an animal. <laughs> um, it, 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 like they added length, athleticism. And, and, and like they added the things that Stevens always talks about. And, you know, he talked about, the positionless basketball and look at how many guys we have now that can play three, four positions, you know? Yeah. This is, this is his team like this perfectly. Mm -hmm. And so I think that this is like, you look at that motivation and I think it's like, he's also just as motivated coming off of like his first time being a coach for the all-star team, all this stuff. It's like, he is, he's killing it. And I think this is in part because the team that he's got that really fits his mold as a coach. They also fit his, mold of players it's like a perfect relationship right now which is partially why we saw an eight game winning streak counting still counting mm-hmm. so still rolling i mean possibly look at this we got atlanta tomorrow both teams on a back-to-back in atlanta um atlanta just knocked off cleveland today but i mean i mean kind of know, a strong word you know <laughs> what i mean yeah right right but you know they uh they they just beat cleveland but atlanta's what two and eight yeah so that uh, you know should win game. Uh, Lakers on what Thursday? Uh, that no, a TNT Wednesday. game? Oh, Wednesday on ESPN. Um, that that's going to be they're they're four and five, but uh, it'll be our uh, first matchup against Lonzo. Um, another another uh, good yeah right at home. So another potential win there right. And then we got Charlotte on Friday, another totally winnable game, although they're five and four. Um, but that's another home game at the Garden. So I mean, could potentially be a three and zero week, and we could be sitting at eleven and zero come next weekend. My and that's that's the thing. My only concern is that these are all like really winnable games. Like I can see every single guy coming off an eight game win streak, looking at the schedule and saying, "All right, you know, it's been a tough road trip. We got a back to back playing Atlanta on the road. They're a bad team." I can kind of lay off a little bit. You know, I don't need to be the guy coming into tomorrow. And so that's, this is going to be where the motivation really matters because these are the games that, you know, they don't, they're not like huge games, but they're expected wins that I think the players maybe go a little bit less hard. And this is going to be key for him to, to motivate people, especially on Monday after a back to back. 
or well, second half of a back-to-back. So, yep. So big motivator, Brad. We need that you this is something week. though that I do want to talk about because the entire time that Stevens has been here, the Celtics have been notoriously good on the second night of back-to-backs. Like especially mm-hmm. good. I remember I think two seasons ago, they were like best in the NBA by a wide margin on the second night of back. I, they had a solid record last year yeah. too on the second night of back. Yeah, I think it's been really steady. I have I need to like look at the numbers and break them down. But consistently the Celtics under Stevens have been really good on the second night of back to backs. So Well hopefully that, that rolls over into tomorrow. It is a too. bad team. Like Atlanta is a Right, I mean, but but potential trap game, like yeah. you said. Yeah, I mean, we can. Yeah, so I'm I'm hopeful. I'm optimistic. This should be a three and a week. But you know, it's there's they're prone to to drop one of the three. I'm sure. We got good rest, good rest built yeah. in. You know, two all. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep. No, I mean, if they can get through tomorrow, they got a day off between the other two games, and uh, they're both in Boston. Yeah. A homestand? I'm pretty sure it's a long homestand, too. They, they stay for Sunday also. Toronto, which will be probably the toughest of the, the week. And then we have a long... I'm looking forward to see that. That'll be a good measure. That will be matchup. a good game. I mean, we saw some good opponents in the last yep. couple weeks. Mm-hmm. But that, that will be a good game. Toronto. Division rival. Yeah, I exactly. like it. Um, but guys, uh, check out the links at the top of CelticsLife.com. we got a huge variety of shirts and hoodie in the store. And if you, you can even get tickets to the next game up there, uh, you can find the pod on Blog Talk Radio, iTunes, Stitcher, and most podcatcher apps. Make sure you subscribe so you never miss an episode. And if you like what you hear, be sure to rate us five stars. If you don't like something or have a suggestion, make sure to let us know in the comments on any Celtics Life article or on Twitter with the hashtag CLPod. From myself and my man Topher Lane, we'll check you guys later. Thanks for listening. Big Night In is back. You could win a family winter getaway simply by any three participating products to enter. There's a new winner every day. T's and C's apply. New South Wales LTPS 1823233. ACT TP 1800553. South Australia T18478.